As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels, the bi-monthly show that covers games, gaming and the video games industry. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels. Pixels is a video game show that tries to take a slightly more news slash analytical slash industry kind of approach. Uh, I don't know how much of this we're actually going to manage to do, but I think that's something that would be interesting for a video game show. I don't think there's quite that uh, in the uh, landscape uh, exactly people usually go you know oh so what did you play this week and what did you you know what's the one big news or something like that we'll see if we can pull it off going news only and having an, an analytical view on them um, I'm not sure how well it's going to work we'll we'll trial and error it into success <laughs> uh, and to do that to help me do that for the first real episode of the show since the ones before that were uh, pre-pilots as I uh, lovingly called them we have Veronica Belmont and Brecky Thomason as well, co-hosts how is it going guys and gal or guy and gal <laughs> great i can fall, i can fall <laughs> under the guy's umbrella too that's fine all right that's cool and brecky since you're from you know scandinavia and uh -huh. the land of gender equality i'm sure you can also fall under the gal uh umbrella as oh, well sure sure just, just call me an it and i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> well we will have a, a little bit of a discussion about gender equality later in the show uh but i feel so first of all thank you so much for being on the show for both of you um Um, I've known Veronica for a long time, and I'm not sure she needs introduction, but she's a very uh, uh, active podcaster and uh, web slash uh, everything personality. I love, trying, I love listening to people try to describe what I do. <laughs> so, okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take no, it's, your bait. It's How I'm do you describe it. what you do? I much prefer everyone else's descriptions. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a podcaster, a video host, writer, gamer, you know, all of the above. Text personality. Yes. Sure. Yeah, personality works. It's, it's very encompassing. Um, and Brecky, you are a, the, uh, almost as prolific podcasting-wise as Scott Johnson. Maybe I, even more. I'm not sure that's possible. But, uh, ooh, it's it's. I don't know. We're we're battling up there. I I at some point I think I'm gonna have to compare hours per week. 
Uh, but I think uh, what with the morning stream, he still edges me out slightly. Yeah, that's unfair though. That's that's like that's un, unfair competition. I feel. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actual episodes per week, I still think I win because I have mm-hmm. a, a seven minute daily show. Yeah, Geek Days. Geek indeed. Days, yes. Yeah, that's a new project. You you can both tell us about what you do on the internet exactly at the end of the show. Sure. Uh, but before that. Let's talk about something that I'm sure everyone is super happy about, and that's Black Friday slash Cyber Monday sales and the games that we have all purchased that we will probably never play, and some of them, you know, that we will play. Um, So it's that time of the year again. Uh, Steam, PlayStation Network, Xbox, uh, uh, Unity, EA, Origin, uh, Blizzard, everything is on sale. Buy all the things. Uh, So before we get into the serious topics, let's do a quick roundup of what we bought and what we're happy we bought. Uh, Let's start with uh, Veronica. I didn't buy a single thing. Oh my, I am so envious of you right now. I I perused the Steam sale, I perused the Origin sales, and I just, you know, I have everything I need right now. I haven't finished a ton of games, and, you know, I'm actually really proud because... Black Friday sales were down 11% this year in the United States. And mm-hmm. I actually think that's a really good thing. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be a part of that. I, I don't need more stuff right you now. I don't need more games. The- <laughs> I am trying to make the world a better place. Wait, wait. Go. Okay, wait a second. I think there might be a loophole in this. Did you not get anything because you actually already had everything you wanted to get? That may be true. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was something fishy there. Uh, what about you, Brecky? Um, very similarly to Veronica, I already had most everything that I wanted and a little bit too much, in fact. So what I did instead is I, I put all my money in uh, stock in Walmart. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say I put all my money towards charities no, for sale children no, or no, something. No, 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 no. Oh, Don't be terrible. ridiculous. <laughs> well, okay. That that's actually making us sound really bad because I didn't uh, put my money towards charities. Although I did support an, uh, the uh, Quadrature du Net, which is a uh, consumer advocacy group for uh, internet and. Uh, privacy and stuff like that related content and for wikipedia so oh, i feel i've like done a little bit of good um oh and i, I also uh, bought myself a feedly pro account on a friday so maybe that counts oh, oh yeah. i bought i bought paprika i bought a recipe manager on itunes that was on oh. sale for three dollars okay that it's not video games but yeah it's still participating in the black friday madness of you know some sort do do we have um, purchases count <laughs> <laughs> I think they do, but let's let's not count them for the purposes of this right, show. No, um, I I didn't. I was super proud of myself because I didn't buy a lot. But I guess compared to you guys, I did buy a lot. Um, what I did was I I went for older games that I hadn't purchased yet, um, it, like small things like uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, uh, This War of Mine, which I would like to talk about a little bit more later down the line. Um, I also got Divinity Original Sin, which I guess, you know, everyone's been saying is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Alien Isolation, which I resisted on the first day of the Steam sales because it was like 20 or 30%. And today it was 50%. And I was like, but I, I resisted. And then, and now you do this to me, Steam. And so I got it. Of course, I haven't played any of those. Um, 
You yeah, will. I did play. I played Crypt of the ne- uh, Necrodancer. It's a fun game. You should mm-hmm. try it out. Yeah, I, I hear it's a, it's a pretty good game. I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm caught up in the throes of Dragon Age. I can't I can't do anything else until until I'm done. Yeah, I I really want to play it, but I'm like I put it sneakily on my uh, Amazon wish list thing that I'm going to send my family for Christmas. Mm. So I think mm-hmm. that might happen. But um, yeah, it's the, like honestly, I haven't gotten any of the big games um, this year. I I didn't get. Uh, Assassin's Creed. I didn't get uh, uh, Master Chief Collection. Uh, none of the, you know, uh, Call of Duty, Dragon mm-hmm. Age, nothing. And I'm like, I'm going to just, you know, wait and take it one game at a time. And for now, the game is, you know, War- World of uh, Warcraft. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's the same here. I haven't bought a single new game all year. It, it's been World of Warcraft or Minecraft for me. And, you know, the, these are two games that are you know, you, you're never finished with them. There's always yeah. more stuff to do, more stuff to build, more gear to get, more, you know, whatever to do. <laughs> oh, well, gosh, so, they're, yeah. they're pressuring me hardcore in our guild to get back in, into, <laughs> into WoW. And I'm, I'm, I'm resisting right now because I still have to finish Dragon Age and I still have to finish Shadow of Mordor. Good for you. But then once yeah. those are done, I, I, we'll yeah, see. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I just uh, reached the max level in Warlords of Draenor. So now I'm going to start yes. getting... Yes, on one. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reasonable this time. Hmm. Um, but you know what's not very reasonable? It's how much the Xbox One has completely destroyed the PlayStation 4, this uh, uh, horrendous Black Friday consumerism fiesta period. Mm. Um, Apparently, the uh, Xbox One, according to a limited study from one app that gets a a number of of, uh, 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 people submitting receipts, uh, it's a, it's a lot, you know, 182 receipts. So it probably is somewhat uh, representative. But uh, Xbox One outsold the PlayStation 4. Uh, they got 53% of the share. PlayStation 4, only 31%. Um, and that's not too big of a surprise because, boy, has Microsoft been aggressive with these right. deals. It's, mm-hmm. I mean... I don't know if it's the same for you, Brecky. And uh, do you live in Sweden? I know yeah, you're. Yeah. You're. Are you Icelandish? Icelandic? I'm Icelandic originally, yes, yeah. but I've lived in Sweden most of my life. Okay, um, so I'm guessing in, it's the same all over the world. They've yeah. been doing deals like with with games, like cheaper than without the games, and like what is happening? I guess what's happening is that they are they really want to get back uh, on that uh, market share issue mm-hmm. that they've been seeing. Um, uh, yeah, comments. I don't know. Is that a good thing? Has the? I guess my question is: Is the Xbox One now? In the previous episode, we the, we figured maybe if you want to get one of the two, the PS4 it might be a better choice, unless you really want games that are exclusive to the Xbox One, right. uh, because it has the momentum right now, and uh, the games are a little bit better on the PS Plus and stuff like that. I'm not sure that's the case anymore because with these deals, um, is the Xbox One the right choice? It, I, it I, all kind of comes down to who, what your friends are playing on. And I think yeah. that's kind of what they're going for right now is because they're always going to lose money on hardware. Like that's just like they don't make money on the hardware at the end of the day. Um, so what they're trying to do, I think, is expand the mind share and just get as many people on the console as possible 
So that way they're like, oh, well, all my friends have an Xbox at this point. You know, I should be buying games for the Xbox and playing with my friends because we want to play where our friends are. Mm. And so if you can just get the hardware out there into the world, people will start downloading the games for it. And that's where they start making the money. Mm. Yeah. And those Xbox uh, Live subscriptions, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, I, I still think it's a little bit too early to say which console will win. I mean, the, the PlayStation has headwind. They they are still the market leader by far, even though the Xbox is slowly creeping up on them. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, more than a year or two until we see that one of them clearly dominates the other. And, and there, I think it's all going to be down to exclusives and um, um, stuff like, uh, you know, TV, sports and stuff like that that's bundled mm-hmm. into the box. You know, I don't really think, I wasn't really going for the winner because as you say, it's really, really early still. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, the, you know, Microsoft can absolutely, uh, uh, take back their, uh, their, the, their, uh, loss of market share, their sure. reduced market share. Um, but I, I'm more thinking about if you only want to get one, which one should you get right now? And the surprising thing here is that, I guess it's not that surprising when you have such excellent deals uh, uh, on the on the market. But they, I honestly, a month ago, I wasn't certain Microsoft could regain, uh, could reach, uh, you know, get back to to the numbers of the PlayStation Four. Now we don't have the final numbers, but it's looking like they might have, uh, and that's already like they saved it really at the last minute because this if i the most more important thing is if the playstation 4 had kept the momentum it had for the whole year for this holiday season as well i think they that at that point it might have become the clear choice because it was just it just had the momentum and the the market share uh, but they reversed that. Uh, Microsoft reversed that. And I'm wondering if the guys at Sony aren't thinking, you know what, maybe we should have been a little bit more aggressive with our deals uh, in order to keep that uh, that momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But as you're saying, Veronica, they're, they're probably actually losing money on the, on the bundles they're selling now. So, um, yeah. Th- there's another number that I thought was really interesting was the fact that uh, the third place in that... Um, market share ranking is the xbox 360 and the fourth place is the wii u with only six percent so it's a slightly older console but xbox 360 is still higher and six percent that has to be bad news for nintendo right well this is something go ahead brecky sorry uh no i'm just i'm just saying it really is nintendo hasn't been able to up their game in this generation and um so many people are just disappointed because Nintendo have so many great franchises that they're just not uh, doing anything with. Uh, so many people are saying that Nintendo should stop doing consoles and just release their games for Xbox and PlayStation or even iOS or Android. Um, me, I, I don't know if that's the right decision for them, but it's it's not a bad one, I think, not compared to what they're doing today. Yeah, I was going to say um, the legacy platforms thing has been really interesting because, you know, back when the PlayStation 3 came out, people were still buying PlayStation 2s for years. I mean, PlayStation 2 maintained its popularity for a really long time after the PS3 came out. So I'm not surprised to see people still picking up PS3s at a really, you know, low price at this point because there's still games out there. And people, it's still a great piece of hardware. Um, so having the Xbox 360 still selling is is not that surprising to me. And and as for Nintendo, I'm 
<sighs> you know, I, I feel bad for <laughs> Nintendo. I feel like they should have gone software only a long time ago and just yeah. been a game maker. Um, but the DS is still doing pretty well. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to not see the DS on this list at all. Um, but I guess they're just showing, you know, regular consoles, not, not uh, handheld the, consoles. Uh, the news broke just yesterday. They're, they're actually killing off the uh, 3DS XL line um, early next year. Oh no! In, in Japan, no, but they're, they're, they ha- they still have the um, the new 3ds. Uh, oh, okay, it, it's That's just the it old was. one. So yeah, yeah, because yeah. the new it's ones not... there was those were announced like a um, couple months ago. Yeah, and those okay, were so Japan only, weren't was. they? All right, they are. They're they're only being sold in Japan for now, but they'll obviously you know they're coming to the West as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it's that... just the only model. Yeah, yeah okay. In that case, I misunderstood the news. I, I don't follow Nintendo all that closely. <laughs> well, no, apparently gonna... you're not alone on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna contradict both of you and say that Nintendo shouldn't go software only uh first of all because there are only not you know standard console the the ps4 and xbox one i guess sony and microsoft are very similar nintendo is still an alternative but what they should do is not i'm gonna curse a little bit plug your ears if you're under 18 they shouldn't fuck it up is what they should do you know the the wii u the, the problem is not that the console is bad the problem is that they messed up their communication so bad you know people don't even know like people who are maybe not gamers but geeks don't even realize that the wii u is different from the wii and i know we say that about you know regular (laughs) you know people uh all the time but i've had a friend of mine who's informed you know somewhat informed tell me oh the wii u is a different thing Oh, I I didn't realize. And of course, you know, having messed up the launch, it means that uh, third-party developers aren't really willing to develop for it. It's it's not a problem of Nintendo making hardware. It's a problem of them doing it well and not messing up when they launch them. Yeah. I mean, for the longest time, so many people thought that the the Wii U was just a a handheld little extra device that you use together (laughs) with your Wii. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and honestly, I've had a Wii U for a few weeks. I don't know if you guys have one, but that that tablet controller is honestly the stupidest thing I have ever seen <laughs> on a console. I don't have one. I I, yeah, no, I tried no. that when it when it launched, and I just I not not interested. No, I mean it's honestly I love Nintendo games. I've fallen back in love with them with my Wii U, which is why I'm so sad that it's not doing better and that. But you know Mario Kart, Mario uh, 3D World, and stuff like that are so cool. And there are a few things you know in 3D World that allow you to interact through the the tablet thing. But apart from that is is silly. The interface, you know, the UI on the home screen of the console, you can only interact with it when it's on the controller. So you have this giant screen in front of you that you paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars mm. and you can't even, you know, on that home screen, it doesn't it's basically useless. It's very silly. Anyway, um too bad I love Nintendo. I wish they would do better, but apparently yeah. It's not their their uh, holiday season. Um, maybe next year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Would, <laughs> you know, it's a great second console, I think. It's a great first console for many people. But for people who are gamers, uh, uh, it's a great second console. So I yeah. think they might have a, a, a market there as well. Um, 
Microsoft isn't doing well everywhere. Um, I want to read a few of those numbers about how they're doing in Japan. Um, they sold 38,000 units. That's a Forbes article. Uh, 38,000 units since the release on September 4th. And if you think, you know, that's, you know, 38, that's not a lot. But how little is it? It's not ridiculous either. Um the, uh, on the Wii U's launch, Nintendo sold over 300,000 units, and Sony sold 322,000 PS4s at launch. So, yeah, it's not great, like, at all. The majority of the 38,000 were sold uh, at launch, and that was 23,000. Yeah. So, you know, the head of Xbox in Japan is is throwing the... the gauntlet no not the gauntlet he's throwing himself on his sword as they say <laughs> yeah basically um i it's never been hot in in japan the xbox poor poor little xbox but here it's i don't know if there's even much to say it's just sad it's abysmal yeah. i mean it's it's like you said historically japan as the article states has been um you know, has, has stuck with consoles that are from the country. They don't, they don't work a lot with Xbox. They don't work a lot with Microsoft. And so this is not surprising, but the number, like when you just look at the numbers, it's like, wow. Like when you get to quantify it like that, how poorly it did. Uh, I don't know if any amount of people leaving the company is going to, is going to help it. Um, or, you know, taking responsibility yeah. for that. I don't know if it's it could go on one person. Um, it's just, you know, a lack of marketing and just a lack of, of people caring about the console there. They like their, their PlayStations and their Nintendos. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, just to put it in perspective, the, the population of Japan is roughly 127 million people. And they've sold about 425 Xboxes a day since release. <laughs> 425. Yeah. That is really, you know, you see the numbers on Famitsu for those who follow that kind of thing uh, on a on a weekly basis. It's a very famous uh, video game magazine in Japan, mm-hmm. um, and and you see those numbers, and you have, you know, the 3DS sold twenty two thousand this month, and the blah 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 sold that much, and Xbox One. 300 or 200 and you're like over you mean in the whole country or in this one store and it's a bit sad um but yeah it's it's at the same time i know it's a difficult territory i mean i've lived in japan for a while and they really really like their own thing like i I can't imagine there are a couple of people who are like i'm american and i'm gonna be you know i like america i'm gonna buy an xbox one and like but at the same time why would you buy an Xbox over a PlayStation if you're in Japan? Maybe if you like I, Halo, maybe if you like motorsports, but we're complaining here that there aren't that many incredible games or that they, there weren't until a few months ago. I, I don't see a very compelling offering in Japan, so maybe they should have waited a little bit longer and released it when they had stuff. Maybe, um, yeah. I think it, it, go, it goes back to, you know, you're going to you're gonna play with what your friends are on. And yeah. in Japan, all your friends are on PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And there's also, you know, a little bit of defiance towards uh, foreign brands. Um, if you, you, it can be cool, but you really have to sell it. And they just, I think it's not even, uh, you know, uh, Takeshi Sensui's fault, it, the, the head of Xbox. He just didn't have the tools to make it a compelling offering. Mm. Um, 
cool PlayStation news, hopefully, this weekend at the PlayStation Experience, which is something I don't think they've done it before. Um, a couple of days in Las Vegas, a sort of... Uh, gathering show for playstation where hopefully they're going to be announcing stuff uh and i wanted to put the question to you guys what do you want to see there new what fallout would get you excited you fallout new, yeah new fallout game is that for, happening is that real i i, I don't know but i'm hoping oh. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed I'm with you on that. That would be, you know, a pickup right from leaving Dragon Age and going back into the Fallout universe. Yep. It would be more of a time kill. I don't know. There's so many good games coming out. I don't even have a PlayStation, so I should admit that right there. You know, considering mm-hmm. I worked for PlayStation for years, um, I do not have any PlayStation in the house at all now. I'm purely PC and Xbox. So I'm a little bit out of date on what is actually coming out exclusive to the PlayStation market at this point. Is is there something that would, you know, convince you to get one uh, at this stage or? I, no, I don't think so. I think everything is kind of covered I, I, on other platforms, you know, between TV and I still have cable. So I don't need to think about the TV exclusive stuff and hmm. video game wise. I'm happy on PC for the most part. So I, it would have to be something pretty crazy, like, like Fallout. If Fallout yeah. came out exclusive <laughs> on PlayStation 4, I would maybe consider it. And, you know, play a light switch. Exactly. Uh, New light switches. New light switch. (laughs) I guess there are a couple of things that are I'm really looking forward to in what we know is coming. Um, The first one is a pretty obvious one. It's Uncharted 4. Um, Mm -hmm. I sort of made fun of a a few people who were so excited about the... um, the announcement of the Zelda uh, Majora's Mask and, uh, you know, the new one on Wii U. I I talked about it on the French version of the show and and said, why, you know, it's going to come. Why are you, you know, so excited when you know it's going to come? They're just confirming that it's coming. It's not not a reason to jump around, right? And I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit like that with Uncharted. Um, it's such, I think it's one of my favorite games of the past, you know, ever. They're great. And, yeah, uh, great they games. are, yeah. really are. They're really awesome. And I'm really, I play the games for the stories usually. And Uncharted is so well acted. So, mm-hmm. you know, the characters are so amazing. And so, yeah, anything they can give me about Uncharted 4, which they're featuring prominently in their in their page. So I'm guessing it's going to be, it's going to be shown somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is No Man's Sky. Yeah, uh, very curious if... about that one. Oh, there you go. Well, you're you're a uh, 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 Minecraft nut, so <laughs> to an extent, it's not the same thing. I understand, but um, No Man's Sky is one of those things that I'm fearful a little bit about. Like I, I'm afraid it's not going to be as cool as it seems to be. It's this procedurally generated infinite universe exploration space game thing, mm-hmm. indie thing that it looks so cool on paper and from what we've seen from it i'm just afraid that once i jump into it it's just going to be oh here's one planet with stuff i guess i'm gonna go to another one oh here's another planet with stuff and it's just not gonna be but i want to i want to you know i want to hope yeah it's good to hope yeah (laughs) hope is good um, I, what I believe about, um, about that game, No Man's Sky, is that maybe, maybe it's just going to be you know, the first game and it's going to open people's awareness to, oh yeah, we can make these kinds of games. 
Kind of like when uh, Dune 2 was released and people are like, oh yeah, this real-time strategy type of game. That's a good idea. Let's make a couple more of those. And mm. and maybe this just launches a new genre of games. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm kind of excited know. about The Witness, too, because I haven't really seen too much about that lately. And that's, you know, it's been... Have you played it yet? Or have you seen any no. part of it yet, really? Yeah, it's... it's so that's... um. No, it's... it's uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It looks very oh. interesting, what I'm seeing just very briefly right now. Yeah, and it's it's a one that everyone's looking at because it's uh, the next game by Jonathan Blow, who right. designed uh, Braid, uh, which was a really weird, revelatory game at, when it came out with this <laughs> back-in-time mechanics that were... It, he came out with that game at when the, the, the indie scene was really blowing up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Th- and I mean, he's true. been, he's been, I mean, this has been talked about for so long now and, you know, waiting for this sequel, this follow up from him and, mm. um, you know, especially it coming out on, on PlayStation four. Uh, so that's, I think I'm, I'm really excited about it. I have no idea what to expect. We've seen some mm. gameplay trailers and, and stuff, but nothing too deep. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be ex- uh, excited about Bloodborne as well. I don't really get into those games. They're, you know, too hard for me. <laughs> I, I admit I'm a noob. And uh, The Order has gone from super exciting to super lukewarm yeah. with the latest uh, play sessions. So, hmm. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, and, um, and games like Mortal Kombat 10, Battlefield Hardline, Batman Arkham Knight, th- these are all going to sell, but they're not going to be great games. You well, don't think Batman? I mean, Batman's oh, done Bat- so well over the years. Like yeah, being a I, I love the first game. two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's gotten progressively less good, in my opinion. But, mm. uh, you know, it, it still has a huge audience. So it, I thought City was the best one. I didn't play uh, uh, the, the Origins one, but mm. uh, I thought City was awesome. And yeah. Knight is, you know, Arkham Knight is from, um, uh, oh, what's the name of the team? Um, that they they didn't do origins. Um, uh, not Rocksteady. Right. Uh, so Rocksteady, Rocksteady is doing yeah. nights, and uh, I don't think Rocksteady did uh, origins. They took a year yeah, who off, did, basically. Who, what was the other team? Uh. Uh, we'll we'll ah. figure it out. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. I think there there might be surprises though. Um, we might see things about Project Morpheus, which is their uh, VR uh, project, mm-hmm. uh, and other stuff like that, possibly. Um, but it's weird to have this at this time to have this this uh, thing at this time when basically we're full on in the holiday season, and they're gonna be talking about games that are coming out later. So actually, maybe they're saying buy our console now because you'll have awesome games, you know, next year. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, maybe it does make sense after all. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe if they can, you know, offer the console at a discount during the Christmas season. Oh, that could happen. Maybe they <laughs> could announce a huge discount there. Yeah. Um, Warner Bros. Montreal. Uh, That's what it was. Sure. Yep. Ah. All right. Um, I wanted to talk very briefly about Broken Age. Uh, the second act is going to be aiming for 2015 now, but I don't know if it warrants a whole discussion. Uh, it's just, you know, games, when you kickstart them, you don't know if they're going to come as promised or later, and in this case, later. So I guess be careful is what we have to take away from this. Mm. Um, 
one topic I, I really wanted to talk about, though, is that story about um, a kid in a tournament uh, getting kicked from the tournament because of comments he made on Twitter. Uh, more specifically, he said uh, about his next opponent in the tournament, that was a girl. Uh, I, okay, let me get the, the, the exact quote. Uh, Going to rape some girl soon, hashtag Fragbite uh, Masters, which is the name of the tournament. Uh, and his opponent, um, you know, didn't realize that was happening at the time. Uh, but then, you know, of course, this the, the, the organization of the tournament was made aware of this. He was uh, excluded from the tournament, uh, apologized, which we have no reason to doubt the sincerity of his apology. I think it was a heartfelt uh, apology and he genuinely realized that he did something stupid. Um, but the the question that it puts in focus is, I guess it's easy to say, of course he didn't mean he was going to rape her. It was just a, a an offhand comment uh, as you know, as you would say, oh, I'm gonna kill that guy, or oh, I'm gonna, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna beat you up at that game, or whatever. And I think, at least for me, you know, I'm I'm a very I, I care about this issue quite a bit, uh, and I've wrote written things about female representation and stuff like that in, in gaming. And I think for me, it's important to realize, or at least we are starting to realize that it's not the same thing. Um, it's a little bit more akin to making a racial slur right. um, or something like that. You know, it's not just a fun, uh, um, doesn't matter type of throwaway comment. It's more like saying, you know, only a few years ago, we used to say all the time, we as a, you know, everyone, oh, that's gay to, mm -hmm. to say it's lame. Um, I think that has, is going away or has gone away a little bit because we realize, you know, that's not cool. And here, I think that's what we're realizing as well. And maybe I should realize I shouldn't talk about this so much because we have a woman actually on the show <laughs> that I should ask no, well, you what know, she thinks. I'm really glad that you that you did kick off the conversation and, and expressed your points because I think that's it's really important to hear male voices supporting women in this kind of thing. Um, you know, I totally understand. You know, it is part of the vernacular, and I think that will change over time. Uh, and I applaud the player for uh, you know saying he's sorry and understanding and really getting why that kind of language is troubling. Uh, I think that thing is going to take a, a while. It's going to take some time before you know, that, that kind of language and, and discourse, you know, changes. Uh, but I get it. You know, I understand that it's part of the culture and, and that's not the part that most concerns me actually about this discussion. I think it's the, what happened to this woman, you know, for even saying that she felt disturbed by the comments, this female player, um, uh, Madeline Leander, um, she was totally attacked afterwards for just saying that she felt uncomfortable by it. She did not go to to the organizers of the event and say, hey, I want this guy kicked out. You know, I don't feel safe. She did not say anything like that. She just made comments being like, okay, this language is troubling. You know, I was very surprised about it. You know, it's kind of scary to hear this coming from a pro player, like being able to use this kind of language. And yet she was vilified for it yeah. and attacked by other gamers in the community for even having a reaction to the words. She didn't go and get this guy kicked out. She had no part in it whatsoever. 
and she accepted his apology. And yet, and yet, it has turned into her receiving more rape threats, actual rape threats, death threats, you know. And and that's the issue. This is the problem, that you can't even say you're uncomfortable with something without getting attacked further. And that, for me, that is the most troubling part of the story. Mm-hmm. No, it really is. I mean, as soon as... Uh, as soon as women open their mouths on the internet, they're basically berated because they have opinions. And I I don't know why that is, because it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, th- it's going against the status quo. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, there's very deeply entrenched opinions about what the gamer community is and what it means. And that's changing and other people are becoming involved. And I think, you know, it, this whole Gamergate thing, this whole, you know, all this discussion that's been happening. Oh, crap. I said it. It's like it's like saying Voldemort's name out loud. <laughs> I've summoned them. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's threatening that status quo. And, and it's an uncomfortable thing to do. And it makes people uncomfortable that there are other people that don't feel feel comfortable with your with your not way of life but they're challenging the things that you hold sacred i guess and it's it's just silly because no one is doing that they're just you know we're trying to make it a more safe and more accepting community for everyone Mm. i think i think there is I'm going to go a little bit farther or a lot farther than all of this. And I think the reason why this is such a difficult change that we're all going through is that it's not just about the um, video game community. Um, I think there might be a little bit more uh, going on here and people realizing that this is not just about uh, video games and what we do in our community. It's about the entire society. Um, there's, I think there was a, a, a comment. I can't remember where I read it. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But um, Anita Sarkeesian was discussing it with someone and she was saying, you know, this is, I think this, talking about a specific example, is sexist. And her uh, discussion partner was saying, well, I don't really want to accept that because if that's the case then i would see sexism everywhere and that's the thing sexism is everywhere sure Uh, we have still a very sexist society and i think it's in the same way that people didn't really realize it at first when we started making uh, racism an issue and because it was just natural for for a lot of people um and now when we hear comments from you know back then from 50 years ago we think they're at the very least you know very surprising if not unacceptable um we're getting through that transition now and a lot of people think well you know women and men are basically equal and you know women can work women can vote and blah 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 and so what's the problem and don't realize that there is actually a problem with gender equality throughout society and that's what's making this so difficult Uh, so i'm not going to go into you know why and how and all of this but it just as a comment on why this is so difficult to accept I think it goes beyond gaming. It's not just about gaming. It goes into, you know, movies and work and relationships and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and talking about society as a whole, I think there's an interesting uh, segue here to the... Sp- <laughs> which is going to sound really funny slash ridiculous to a lot of people who don't know how it works in Scandinavia. <laughs> and that's this 
uh, Sweden uh, developers, Swedish developers, talking about getting a label on games that promote gender equality. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm la- I'm sorry I'm laughing. I'm not trying not to laugh. It's, it's not it's not I, I mean it's good but it's kind of weird. Yes. I think you you can't really understand it if you don't know Sweden and Scandinavia in general. But uh, right. Brecky, you're from there. So explain to us why this isn't like ridiculous. Well, to a certain extent maybe it is. Um because one would hope that, you know, gaming and game development would be in a place where this kind of thing isn't necessary. Uh, but obviously it isn't. So a lot of Swedish game developers like DICE and um, all the rest of them have gotten together now and, and kind of decided amongst themselves to just be a little bit more careful and try to you know, label their own games if they feel that they deserve the label and so on. Uh, the, the problem with this entire idea, however, is um, it, it's in a good place right now, but the origins of the idea is basically a bunch of white dudes who say, yeah, this is probably a good idea. Let's, let's you know, go with this without even asking female developers and so on. <laughs> um, so it's, it's still a little bit problematic. But, you know, on the whole, I think they're, you know, their heart's in the right place and so on. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what the developers and the game producers actually do with this. So is this happening or are they just discussing it still? Uh, they're still just discussing it, as far as I know. Okay. Uh, no real decisions have been taken. But all the major game studios are on board with the idea uh, mm. But then, you know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see what they actually do with it. There's a little bit of, you know, my wife is Finnish. So she's Finnish, you know, Swedish speaking Finnish. So she's very much into the gender equal, almost gender equal uh, Scandinavian uh, uh, ecosystem, I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, and I think there's basically... Scandinavians started thinking about about this issue 20 or 30 years ago. So it's almost like when they come here, and here I mean France, uh, it's almost like they're looking at a pre-civil rights movement America for race. And, and it's not like she's outraged at everything she sees, but there are definitely things that don't bring you know, quite right, uh, according to her uh, frame of mind. Like right. the g- gender equality in toys is one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, gender neutral toys is really something important in Finland and in Sweden and in places like that. So it's not about... It's very difficult to look at this as a Westerner and think it's not silly because you're going to say, oh, but it's okay if my daughter wants to be a princess, isn't it? And really, it's not quite about that. It's about a lot more things. It's about empowering little girls and not, you know, and making sure that if they want to be a princess, they can. But Mm -hmm. if they want to be, you know... Iron President. Man, Iron Letting Man, them make woman. The decision they, for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're basically railroading a lot of our, you know, our boys as well in in other ways. So anyway, without getting too much into it, I, I was thinking this labeling for games, even though it's not necessarily the best idea in the world, I can see it echoed in, you know, making sure when when grandparents buy a toy for a child mm-hmm. for their grandkids. They don't necessarily know exactly what the thing is, but if they have a little label that says, well, this isn't, you know, some thing that's going to, 
put in your granddaughter's head that she is a princess in a castle and has to be saved. But, you know, she can be the princess that goes kick some butt and, uh, you know, save Mario, for example. Yeah, um, you know, this, that is exactly the point I was going to make. Like, it, it may it may be kind of silly. We may think it's kind of silly now. But I, I like that it gives people a little more information, you know, at the point of purchase to be like, oh, Okay, this is this has been approved as a gender neutral game or a gender equal game. Uh, that that's something I would like my kids to to see. Um, mm. So I, I I get that uh, it, it does seem to, it, but it, I think as you know as an American especially, it's like well that's silly. I don't know why I feel that way. <laughs> no, I feel that way too. I feel that way too. It's just it's education. It's it's getting familiar familiarizing yourself with an idea that's alien to you is never easy. And I think. You know, again, that's what's happening here. I and, think we have um, a gut reaction to labels. I think do. that's yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, especially it goes back to the um, the music label warning labels that were on CDs mm. back in the day. Like we hated that. Like we didn't, mm. we didn't, we don't want that's labels. True. We just want to list, choose the music we listen to. Um, mm. And maybe, maybe there's some of that old bias poking its head head up mm. again. Yeah. And I but hated just, them just a, too. So maybe, maybe I'm, you know, getting old and thinking like, well, labels might be a good thing. They need to be informed. Just, yeah. just a quick example of the gender neutrality that Sweden uses. Um, for the past two or three years or so, um, the the major toy um, shops uh, send out a catalog, and uh, BR and uh, the Swedish division of Toys R Us, they have a, a gender neutral catalog. So every toy that they that they're displaying has one boy and one girl playing with it, no matter if it's dolls or guns or whatever, just a boy and a girl playing with the toy. So um, this year, of course, people are complaining that there's not enough immigrants playing with the toys. <laughs> I think that, that the problem with all of this is that a lot of people are going to say, well, if you do this, then where do you stop? And then you have to have immigrants and then you have to have handicapped people and then mm. you have to have this type of person. And, that. and I understand that that's a concern. I sure. think it stops where we say collectively as a society – this is okay and this isn't okay. But and, still, representation is, is a huge issue. And I mean, when was the last time you saw a, a transgender teen represented in any kind of media? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that the, the different lines, and, and quite frankly, immigration represent, immigrate, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, representation of uh, immigrants mm -hmm. is something that is a problem. I mean, on French TV, for example, we have a huge uh, North and Northern African population, right. which is which wasn't represented uh, for a very long time. And, you know, after a while, it was like, well, this is a problem. Are we not putting them on TV because they're, you know, brown or because they're black? That I don't think that's cool. And the process of realizing this, the worst thing is, the worst part about all of this is that most of the time, this is really not a big deal. You know, most of the time, it's just, let's have girls play with the guns on the catalogs. What's the, really, is that a, such a huge problem? Let's have, you know, and Blizzard uh, mentioned this at BlizzCon uh, uh, in the um, intro by Mike Moheim and a couple of times about Overwatch. It's like, if you have... Characters, they didn't say that, but I mean, they, they mentioned that uh, uh, diversity was important. And the example of Overwatch is pretty good, I think, because the main character that they're portraying is a girl. And who cares? 
It's just a girl who is really cool. And don't take it as who cares in the sense of, as, of well, if it's a girl or, or, or if it's a boy, it doesn't matter. So let's not worry about it. Mm. No, I, I take it as if it's a girl that's cool and it makes girls in general and society advance in the, in the sense of um, equality, gender equality, why do you want to replace that girl with a guy? If they decide you, we want to have a certain amount of girl, because guess what? There is 50% of women in the world. So maybe, you know, anyway, it's, a, <laughs> I, I understand there are tons of holes in this whole conversation. And I'm sure, you know, if you want to comment uh, uh, on the, on the blog, please do. So I'm very happy to discuss all of these things all the time. And it's an ongoing process. So I hope we've had a reasonable conversation about it at least. Okay. We're talking about That's our feelings. This is it's yes. an opinion show. We all have strong opinions, so you know, <laughs> just we're putting them out there. There you go. Um, controversies in esports. I'm not going to go too much into it because it's just basically esports. There's issues of cheating and corruption and stuff like that, same as there is in real sports. So esports more like real sports yay yeah i mean yay. as soon as fifa is involved you, you can be quite sure that there's some sort of corruption going on somewhere <laughs> i guess yeah um an- oh sorry did you want to weigh in veronica or- oh no i was just gonna say i had no idea how corrupt fifa was until the last world cup and then oh, I, yeah. I learned all in one fell swoop how <laughs> what a crappy organization it is mm-hmm and they're bringing this to video games. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's, it's not just FIFA. Um, all right. Uh, the second topic I wanted to discuss was, was the issues with games at launch. And we've seen our fair share of this. I mean, there's always been issues with games at launch. Um, but in the past couple of weeks, between Assassin's Creed um, Drive Club, which was a little bit older, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, Master Chief Collection on Xbox One, which the two of which are still not fixed, by the way, not completely at least, um, just want to get your opinion on this. Are you as consumers outraged and and you know at the uh evil developers that are selling us un, in uncooked uh, games or do you think it's excusable because there's uh, uh this is something that's impossible to predict and get right and you know or maybe something in between what's your take on this I actually uh, feel kind of bad for the developers yeah, frankly really. and uh, the reason for that is because they are I, I've seen the kind of grind that they go through and I, I know the kind of crazy deadlines that they're put on mm. and you know, the, it's a money-making machine. And so they have to, they have to get the games out as fast as possible. They have to have them ready by launch date. They have to have all this stuff. And I know that's their job. It's true, but these are deadlines not put on the people on the ground floor working on these games and the people who have to actually make them work. And so I, you know, I always feel bad when this happens because you know they want to put out the best game possible. They don't want to piss off the fans. They don't want the gamers to be bummed out. They want to have a working game, and yet the the, the deadlines sometimes just make it totally impossible. And you know, these are these are guys and women working you know sixteen, eighteen hour days to try to get these mm. games off the ground. And you know, it's it's re- it's a really tough industry. And 
It's okay, but then should we should we lay the blame at the feet of the suits and the execs that make the decisions for the deadlines? We can so. bump yeah. it up one I level. I think so. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely think so. And um, and who who who's the one who really gets you know crapped on at the end of the day? It's the, the people working in the forums. It's the people answering fans' questions. It's mm. the guys from Ubisoft making blog posts on their on their blog because you know people uh, they have to take down DLC or they have to take down you know all the stuff that's supposed to be coming out. And it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer for everyone. And it's it's because they're they're put to such unrealistic you know expectations from day one. Okay, so let me take the contrarian approach to this then. Um, the, these companies have a very small window. So there are a few companies that can put out a game at any point and they'll be fine. You know, uh, Blizzard, Rockstar, Valve, a few others. Uh, most companies have to hit the, um, the, the Christmas, the, you know, the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And it's in November that you have to put out your game if you want it to sell for, for the holiday season. Um, and you do deals with retailers and, you know, publishers and a bunch of people way in advance, right? These deals are made a year or six months, you know, in advance. And when the time comes that you're going to say, you know, at that point, you're fairly confident that the game is going to come out. And is going to be ready at, you know, you're a year ahead. You're like, yeah, we have our, our plan, our management uh, plan. And we think, you know, the teams think they can make it. Let's do the deals and let's make sure it works. And then you're, you know, a couple of weeks from then, from the release, and you're like, crap, it, it, there's, there are things that aren't working. Except the entire world is waiting for your game to come out. And when I say the entire world, it's not just the, the gamers, although... The gamers are probably not going to wait for an Assassin's Creed to come out three months later. They're going to go out and buy, you know, Call of Duty or, or something else instead for the vast majority. You know, when you're, we're talking millions and millions of people, they buy the game in November or December. And you have the retailers and the publishers and everyone who you have deals. And what do you do? You can't push it, you know, three months back. You just can't. I, I, I think you can. I'm going to be contrarian to your contrarian point of view. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. Be, because if, if they're that reliant on markets and deals and um, seasons and cross-promotional deals and so on, they're doing it wrong. Uh, the product should be good enough to stand on its own two legs. And, you know, if, if the game is good enough and if the franchise is popular enough, it will sell, even if they release it, you know, on Valentine's Day. Mm. So I, you're I, saying, would buy, I would definitely buy games on Valentine's Day, just to put well, that. Absolutely, <laughs> that's you though. That, we're, we're a special breed. Yeah, chocolate um, roses and Assassin's Creed. Heck yeah! <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I agree with your there's... contrarian point, uh, Brecky. I think oh. I think that um, what was I going to say? I had a really good point, and uh, then I forgot it, uh, okay. which happens sometimes at ten o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> it's. You know, it's I, I think the gamers will come if the game works. And I think, you know, I think beta programs like what they're doing with the crew, for example, are a really good way to work out the kinks because you don't know how a game is going to respond until you have a couple million people at the same time trying to play it. And but they did it for Drive Club. They had a beta that was really successful for Drive Club and, and still it's it's had, you know, four weeks of issues. They had a what? They had a what? Patrick? A beta. A beta. <laughs> 
I think so that's, that's uh, my way of winning arguments. I just say beta and then everyone forgets what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, right. But your, your point, uh, both of you, is that everyone should be like, uh, you know, Rockstar and Valve and just make games that people are going to buy no matter what. Well, it's hard I, I think because so, yeah. go go ahead, Brecky. Um, I mean, it's the same old as the 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 music industry. I mean, they were all saying we can't compete with piracy, but they are competing with piracy by uh, by offering something better than just availability. Um, same with movies. I mean, they, when the, the when the movie industry saw that people could start recording things on VCR players, that would kill cinema. But it hasn't because mm. you know there's something else to it. So I, yeah, I, think, I think it's yeah. more than just, you know, following a deadline. Uh, it, it's about delivering a great product. I guess so. Yeah. In theory, I just, hmm. <laughs> in I theory, don't know. it's about delivering a good product. No, no, I think, no, it is. But when you go to such uh, wide markets, when you sell, you know, tens of thousands of, of uh, pieces, I don't quite think that the excellent product is enough or for everyone. I mean, being, being Rocksteady, I'm sorry, not Rocksteady, Rockstar or Valve or Blizzard, it's not easy. It's not just let's make sure, you know, we have excellent developers and give them time to do what they have to do. You know, no, that's that, a way to get games delayed for so long that they end up not coming out. Yeah, I'm not saying it always the, ends up like that, but that, that's the market. I mean, not everybody can release, you know, the iPhone every year. Um, not not sure. everybody can be the most popular car this year. Um, th there's always somebody, and it, it should be up to each and every one of these games developers to compete and try to be that one somebody. Mm. Uh, because I you guess, know, one I year guess. it might be Blizzard, the next year it might be you know EA for God's sake. Mm, Although maybe I doubt that's never going to happen, though. <laughs> and it it would be very interesting to dive into why that is. And honestly, I, I I don't have the answer. I don't know why EA isn't you know doesn't release games of the quality of some other publishers. Well, they they release excellent games. That's not because they're know. doing it on volume. Because yeah. they're just trying yeah. to get as many games out as possible in a short amount of time because that's the only way they're going to be profitable. Mm -hmm. Like, And that's why I, yeah. good, good, good groups that are creating amazing games within that company get dumped all the time because, you know, if they don't make the money, if the game doesn't sell, the that team is gone. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, they are a, they are a business. They and are, unfortunately, the business, business and quality don't always go hand in hand. Right. Yeah, maybe there's a better medium, you know, a, a better balance to find there. Maybe that's the issue. But I think the I would be a little bit less uh, extreme than than you guys. You know, uh, basically you're saying, well, everyone should get, should make awesome games, and that would solve the issue. And no, yeah, everybody I, should try to make the most awesome games. Uh, put that first deadline second. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I, that discussion would take us a, a long time and it would be super interesting, but maybe for maybe another, another episode. episode. Yeah. <laughs> for another day. Uh, <laughs> last thing I wanted to discuss very quickly before we uh, all move on with our lives, including you, dear listener, um, is This War of Mine, which is a game that came out a week ago or two and uh, is a really 
it it follows a type of game that we've been seeing in the past two or three years, I would say, that are really making you feel things about stuff. <laughs> feels all the feel, feels. Feel things about stuff. And, you know, this War of Mine puts you in the shoes of... Uh, people who are in a city that is being uh, 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 taken by war for a year and you have a siege and you're just trying to survive in this city. You're not killing anyone. You're just trying to get food and bandages and, mm. and try, you know, answering questions like someone shows up at your door that of your house that you're trying to keep together with two other people And they need a bandage and you only have one and their mother is is bleeding out. And you're like, but, you know, I might bleed out tomorrow because there are snipers trying to shoot me when I try to go to get uh, uh, supplies every night because it's a little bit safer at night. What do I do? And it puts you in that situation in the same way that a game like uh, Papers, Please, or maybe even to an extent Gone Home makes you experience something that is a little bit different, although it's not as, as you know, uh, shocking. Um, and I, I'm, I'm wondering, first of all, that game is awesome. This war of mine is really, really good. But is this the ultimate form of, of art? Is this, you know, something that we can't, Is it legitimizing video games at least, as, at last, as a, a form of art? Or I don't know. It's just something new for video games for me. For me, video games have always been about interactive storytelling. And um, interactive storytelling is really only as good as the story being told. And in this case, um, this is a really good story. And um, that makes this a really good game, in my opinion. I think there's a little bit more than that, though. Um There's something about mechanics making mm -hmm. you feel something that a book or a, a, a movie can't quite make you feel in the same way. They, you know, books and movies have other ways of making you feel stuff. Mm -hmm. But in a game, there, there, there are things that, you know, putting you in the shoes of the person that is making the decision. Yeah impacts well, the, you a lot more, right? It, it's the immersion, right? I mean, I think that's a big part of it for me. So, you know, you mentioned Gone Home, or we can talk about stuff like, you know, the Walking Dead series, sure. or, you know, any number of games where it's not all just about the action. It's about experiencing something through someone's eyes and getting to control their actions and feeling, feeling like invested in what happens to that character. And I think that's exactly what happens in a book, for example, because you're, you're, you're kind of seeing it unfold as it's happening. Um, and with a TV show, you get a lot of different perspectives. You, 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 you don't just see the first person perspective all the time. And with a video game, that's kind of what you're getting in these instances is you're, you're, you're only experiencing what the character is experiencing and you're controlling that experience. And I think you can do a lot of really amazing things storytelling wise with that. But isn't there something about, I mean, for me, the way, the way I look at it, it's about the fact that you're the one making that, that, heart-wrenching choice mm -hmm. which doesn't really happen in a book and i know you know you you are a fan of literature and you're also a, a, an avid gamer isn't there something that is inherently different about this experience that is not just you know 
it, it's a, it's not just like you're immersed in that thing in the same way that you are in a book. You're making the choices. Well, yeah, Doesn't that's what that... I, I, that's exactly what I just said. Oh, okay, like you're, okay. it's, it's interactive. So you're, you're controlling the experience. You decide mm. what happens to this character that you're so invested in. Mm. And I think what we're seeing now are a lot of games that aren't just, you know, action oriented. And so we're telling diff- new kinds of stories using this medium that we haven't really seen as much before. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. It's, it's something that's a little bit, for me at least it's something that's a little bit different and for for both of those this war of mine and and papers please specifically there's something very artistic in in the way they're built yeah. um so anyway i guess that's going to be it for this first real episode of pixels i i hope you enjoyed it uh, dear listener and if you have then maybe you're going to want to hear more from our co-hosts um can where can the people find you on the internet we'll start with miss veronica belmont i am on the internet uh, at veronica on twitter and uh, veronica belmont.com and sword and laser sword and laser Sword, Sword and Laser, and Laser <laughs> a, a podcast about fantasy and science fiction literature. Correct. Which you should listen to. Um, it's, don't you get like people at Veronica-ing you all the time when it, it's not meant for you? It does happen sometimes. Not as much as it used to. Uh, but there is apparently a uh, TV station in, in the Netherlands uh, called Veronica. And so I get, whenever anything interesting is on that channel, I, I get a lot of notifications about it. Yeah. A friend of mine has the, uh, the Twitter handle Echo. So a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm at Echo Park. And he gets all of those. <laughs> I feel, That's... yeah, I wouldn't keep a, a... And now I'm happy I didn't get at Patrick. I mm. feel like that would be unmanageable. It's worth it. Yeah? Is it? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have at Veronica, you losers. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you are, I'm sure. Um, Brecky, how about yourself? Um, well, my, my podcasting output is all on Psycon.net, C-S-I-C-O-N.net. And my, my new pride and joy is Geek Days, my new daily or, well, week daily or Geek Daily podcast, uh, which is basically, you know, for people in Europe and uh, America, it's, it's a quick recap of the past 24 hours of geek culture. Uh, so tech news, gaming news, entertainment, and a bit of other things. A quick um, fix for for geek info. Yeah, so it, it's great for your commute in the mornings, basically. Excellent. Um, I've always wanted to ask you, what does PsyCon stand for? The Committee for the Surrealist Investigation of Claims of the Normal. Right, that makes complete sense now. It, it's, a, it's a play on PSYCOP, the uh, Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the uh, Paranormal. Ah, okay. So instead of and doing scientific analysis, we're doing uh, surrealist investigations of the normal. And where is PSYCOP from? Uh, it's, it's an actual organization that um, oh. was, <laughs> okay. I think, co-founded by James Randi even. Um, oh, and, oh uh, neat. Yeah, and they, they, do, um, they, they try to scientifically debunk paranormal things. Oh, that's pretty cool. And <laughs> you do podcasts. And I do podcasts. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter. Very easy. You think of Patrick and then you add not before it. You've already, uh, you already remember it. And you can also find the show at frenchspin.com. You also find another show called uh, The Phileas Club, which is a show where we cover 
regular news like world news, politics, current affairs from a perspective of different people around the world. So last episode, we had someone from Vietnam, someone from the US, Tom Merritt, your co-hosts on uh, on Sword and Laser, Veronica, and uh, myself and Paolo from South Africa. And uh, it was fun. I mean, that's one thing I love about that show as well. It's just, it's actually fun. So if you want to hear about, you know, be informed about what's happening in the world, almost, and have fun, then that's a show you should consider. It's on frenchspin.com. That's going to be it for us. Thank you so much, guys. I had Thank a you. lot of fun. Thank and, you. And uh, li dear listener, you whom I've been addressing for the past uh, hour or so, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.